Hello and welcome to the podcast series The Four Pillars, designed for allied health professionals, students, non-registered assistant practitioners and all associated learners. This short series is designed to open the lid on the themes related to continuous professional development and we will meet and discuss hot topics with a variety of AHP leaders, practitioners, researchers and learners on how they manage to advance their practice and that of those around them. My name is Dougie Laughlin and this podcast series is sponsored and supported by Glasgow Caledonian University and is designed to support learners undertaking the GCU post-registration master's module in advancing professional practice. Whether you are a registered AHP developing your personal development profile or a non-registered assistant practitioner developing your career towards becoming a registered AHP, we hope this will be of interest to you. The podcast series will introduce you to the contemporary thoughts on CPD and much of the content in each podcast will be themed to align to the four pillars of practice as outlined by many professional bodies and healthcare organisations. Each week I will introduce you to a different guest who I feel captures the desired qualities in the respective fields which highlight what it means to develop practice. I hope that by exploring these topics you will gain a personal insight into how you can develop yourself and your practice. Welcome to the final episode of our Four Pillars podcast series, which supports students at GCU on the Advancing Professional Practice module. Today we are joined by an ex-student, Karen Hohey. Karen graduated in 1999 from GCU with a BSc in Physiotherapy, following which she worked in Ayrshire and Arne, Tayside and even worked for a year in Australia. When returning to the UK in 2006, Karen worked with Greater Glasgow and Clyde the first 10 years with medical specialities and then as a team lead. She completed an S Career Fellowship in 2010, looking at the accreditation for assistant practitioners training. In 2016, after a year in community rehab with the East Dumbartonshire community team, she secured a permanent role and in 2021 took up a new advanced practice development role which included support to start her MSc at GCU. Karen states that in her current role she enjoys supporting staff development and recruitment. She is proud of the work she did in generic working with OT and developing the role of the assistant practitioner. She has a keen interest in the development of working relationships and pathways within primary care third sector colleagues, as well as the internal processes of staff development and support. So far she feels that as a student on the Advancing Practice Masters at GCU, the experience has given her time, space and a theoretical understanding to challenge not just her clinical practice, but her reasoning, reflection and personal development. Karen does what she does to improve the service received by older people from her service and provide person-centred care of the highest standard possible. It's my pleasure and privilege to introduce you guys to Karen Hohe, who has come to talk to us today about her personal experiences of undertaking the Advancing um, Professional Practice module as part of her own Masters. So, Karen, hello. Hi. Hi, great, great. You could come and give up your precious time as a practitioner. To, to really try and help support our own postgraduate learners in their educational journey. And, and I'm going to kick off today's podcast just with the question that we, 
we ask all guests, and that is, what has driven you personally in your own CPD? Thanks very much for having me, first of all, Dougie. It's uh, a privilege to be asked to be on this podcast. Um, had a really good think, because I have been working for quite a long time now. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> and, and my kind of undergraduate as well. But thinking about um, my CPD, I thought there's a few, there's a few P's, right? Okay. So there's people, your yeah. peers, yeah. Yeah. the place that you work in. Yeah. Um, a lot of what's influenced my personal CPD has been the people that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, Do you think that cultural thing is something that, that influences you individually or, or even as just any practitioner or you know, do, do we get kind of swept along with with the people that are around us? I think it's a combination okay. of culture mm -hmm. and individuals so when I was reflecting on this there was key individuals that stood out but there was also workplaces so that's why I, I kind of thought of places, places as well. Yeah, like, so there's places and where there's um, you know, certain departments, certain teams that you've worked in, where there's a really positive... There's a P. Yeah, positive <laughs> uh, culture when it comes to CPD and development and supporting each other and having those conversations and embedding it in practice and service development and changes. But there's also been times where certain individuals have had, you know, you've been at presentations where somebody's just reached out to you and you've really connected with that mm. presenter and that's been the catalyst the that's made you go away and look at stuff completely differently mm. or like send you off um, on a different journey or just give you that enthusiasm. And I suppose if we don't have our peers and people making these sparks, it becomes a very dull place. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so people and the influences of admiring others I don't know if that's a word that we are, are you know just yeah. looking up to in a in certain sense and saying do you know what I want a bit of that I want a piece of that I, mm -hmm. I would like to look a little bit like that uh -huh. in the behaviours and the activities and the roles that I do yeah I think that's an interesting one and hopefully that continues as we as we go down that professional um, path and I certainly still look up to a lot of people yeah I think it's a good thing to have and I think now what's changed obviously with more recent um, changes, not just COVID, but before that as well, with all the digital kind of networking and things that goes on now. In the olden days, it used to be, you know, you went to a lecture or you went to a CPD session and you got you got to see that kind of part of the world. But now you can see the whole world. Yep. You can go on to digital. Like, I, I really enjoy going to the Agile um, webcasts and things. And you get to be inspired by people from all over the world uh, and the, the work of a that they do. Uh -huh. And I think just, that accessibility post-COVID has made a huge difference yeah. to the way in which we access this material and, and it's partly the reason that we're doing a podcast yeah. in 2022-23. 20, so there, there's definitely some positivity again about how we actually engage with that learning process. But I suppose I'm still kind of trying to ask and get from you just that bit about you started your master's programme when? Uh, just over a year ago. Over a year ago. What was the trigger that said, I'm going to make this CPD more than just my own 
professional development, I'm actually going to go and do a piece of academic work. Because oh. that's what it is. Yeah, so it was through my work. So I got a new role that was looking for um, formal education at that level. Mm. Um, and that was really what motivated me to sign up for the Masters. It's, it's through my new role that I got an, an advanced practice role, or a developing an advanced practice role, I should say. Um, so that was the catalyst and I think really having that support is so important mm. because we've all got busy lives, we could all be doing lots of things, there's lots of choice, probably more choice than we've ever had out there when it comes to CPD. Yes. Um, so that was the thing that probably tied me on to this course. Yeah, I think that's important as well because, you know, and a lot of my students, undergraduate students and pre-reg students will come to me with, with um, websites or blogs that they've been listening to and a lot of it is you know well what's your source mm -hmm. what's the validity of that message where's it coming from not that it's not well intentioned but possibly has it done its um, scrutiny of what that that data what that source of data is yeah. to kind of make that claim so but it allows that conversation to happen and possibly out with the workplace and in the staff rooms and in the coffee centres and the hospitals etc you know where did we do that CPD before and now that CPD is all around us and Twitter and mm -hmm. and, and blogs and webinars etc so the accessibility is definitely there yeah okay our second question is was there it's a bit more of a personal question mm -hmm. but was there any specific moment or incident that made you think I can do better than this um, again, it was speaking to a person that, that I looked up to. So a doctor that I used to work with up in Teesside had done a project and had published it and was presenting it to us about um, patients with cancer who'd had a recent diagnosis and using exercise as a treatment mm -hmm. and, and really yeah. getting people to get fitter through their cancer treatment. Yeah. And that I remember that just totally blew in my mind at the time. It was something I'd never thought of. I'd really just thought of, you know, me being a physio and giving someone exercises to recover. Yeah. I'd never really thought about it as something that could be an adjunct and not just a postscript to yeah, do yeah, afterwards. Yeah, no, I get that. And that, so that just, I remember that presentation just totally blew in my mind and making me a little bit interested in research, but obviously not interested enough to sign up to a course like this until years later. But the spark was there. Though. It was there, the spark was there. and it totally it, it it made me start to look at things in a different way and question more my practice and how I was working and how I was approaching that um, kind of yeah where that person was in their life journey that patient or the person that I was working with where they were at what they were going through and how I could do things probably in a more positive light. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you said that and and. Uh, for a lot of our listeners that will be on the advanced practice programme, they're obviously undertaken, they've committed to a piece of academic work. But for all of our listeners that are not, I really value that fact that, well, I maybe don't need to actually always go in an academic programme. It's the attitude, the belief, the mindset to make myself more effective, more responsive, better in what I do, have better clinical outcomes, uh, and maybe understand a little bit more of the breadth of uh, quality of life issues that are possibly there with some of the, the clients that I see and it's not just about getting their shoulder up to maximum height or getting them up walking 
from a physiotherapist angle, it's actually more about, well, let's improve your general function, your physical performance, cardiovascular output, and that can be done just by getting them up and go. And it's life-changing. Like, I I remember one of the quotes from it was that these guys, it was men with prostate cancer, they had never been fitter. Mm. Like, they had felt... When they had cancer. Ah. Yeah. So that, but obviously it was all about, you know, readiness to change and, you know, other things going on in your life and and how you approach that and how this person had come in at a a kind of positive angle Angle. that there was something else that they could offer. Um, And it was just, it was totally practice changing for me. It was so interesting and exciting and positive. But that's, that's been a lovely example of where these individuals have actually been through a very huge life event that's made them reframe their life so these that life events made them think a bit differently but it's just happened that you've been looking at your professional practice at the same time it's mm-hmm. just allowed that to flourish yeah the, the the practice setting um and obviously as a student coming through that there are elements in in uh, your learning that that can sometimes be a bit of a challenge let's let, let's say balancing student life and and balancing um you know, your education, and, and so please tell us more of your kind of recent development journey, your your experience of postgraduate education in, part- in particular, impacting it on your work, you know? Yeah, um, it's been a journey, that's definitely, I'm still on that journey, obviously, I'm not even halfway through the full Masters yet. Do you feel you're gaining even in an interim period? Do you feel you're oh, a massively. different practitioner yes. now than you were even six months yes, nine yes, months ago yes yeah definitely and it's it's i'd say the biggest thing in the past year is about having the time and space mm. to stop and think and reflect and speak to others about your learning and how you learn and how other people learn and just just Not what that's really interesting that you're saying that's yeah. process yeah it's about how you learn maybe not necessarily content because no. the, the, the books have got the content, but it's how we get to the books and what we make of the books that's yep. important, isn't it? And so much of our practice, we're so busy. You know, you maybe have your CPD slots and you're kind of focused on the clinical or what you want to learn or maybe, you know, feedback from something that someone else has been on. Your your time, your boxes of hours are all filled. And I think having doing the master's module and especially the APP module makes you stop makes you stop and really reflect much deeper and much more detailed than I had in a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. So that would that's the main thing that I got out of that was just stop and think. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think hopefully there's some team leads out there and some managers out there that are listening in and thinking that's what we need to do to develop our staff, give them headspace. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we encourage encourage our learners to be mindful of is that there is a professional requirement for CPD as well as a, a personal growth in CPD. So there's this kind of serious angle to this as well and, and, and that angle as a practitioner is about allowing yourself the opportunity to demonstrate your learning. Mm-hmm. And you've expressed really nicely and clearly there that you feel that you've moved in your own clinical practice over the last six months. How do you demonstrate mm-hmm. that? the HCPC mm-hmm. audit dropped a little letter through your post box mm-hmm. tomorrow, would, what would you do in order to demonstrate that learning? 
Well, I think that's what that model again really helped give you tools towards, like using your DNAT and do you know what that is one tool. That is exactly is a tool. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having that those frameworks that you could actually start to not just think about it but put it down on paper and gather evidence. And I think that was one of my main learnings from doing that was that we don't capture enough mm. evidence. Yeah. We don't, we maybe get feedback from people verbally, but we don't write that down enough. Or we don't ask our colleagues for written feedback enough. So that was one of the things that I went on and, and tried to do a bit more, spoke to my manager about it and we're trying to get some, some other um, kind of 360 type yeah. Processes yeah. going on in the workplace um, with a bit of help from HR. Um, so that was one of the big learnings from it was how do you actually demonstrate and it written down, but I think it, those tools and frameworks really, really help. Does it give you confidence as a practitioner after you sit back and actually look at, you know, th- this is my portfolio of mm-hmm. CPD now, and I kind of knew it was good at what I did, but actually, this encapsulates and is demonstrable evidence of me and what I have achieved. Yeah, I think it does definitely help to give you more confidence in your clinical practice. I think it also gives you a lot of confidence in all the other pillars. That was another really big learning thing or just, just something that you had more time to reflect on was it's not all just about the clinical. Yeah. And we true. know that in practice. Yes. Again, it's all, it's these things that are all out there. We're we're very aware of them, but we don't stop to think about it mm-hmm. and reflect and try and get evidence of it. Um, so it gave me more confidence as a learner. It gave me more a lot more insight into how I learn and how I communicate things and um, how I reflect on things. So as a learner, but also as an educator and sort of researcher yeah, <laughs> as well but it, so yes it's learning it, the tools isn't it uh-huh. I think there's an intuitiveness to the clinical pillar because it's what you do every day and it's what you were yeah. trained to do you know the, the nature of our undergraduate or pre-reg programs are such that that we're fulfilling you as a, a graduate to be fit for purpose to go and work yeah. as a band five but actually there's more to that now and there's actually reflecting back in that process. And we're doing that as mm-hmm. programme designers now. We're actually having far more visibility of all four pillars in the, the, the pre-reg modules, yeah. uh, programmes. So, but there is that element of, there's an intuitiveness to what it is that you need to do to become better at being a clinician. But actually, that intuitivity is, is, is less there when it looks at, well, how, where do I start with research principles? Where does I think I'm a good educator because I educate my clients every day and I teach students. So my practice educator, so I kind of know what I'm doing teaching. But actually, there's a lot of theories there that actually <laughs> underpin that. And it's the same with leadership. I think, you know, this element of I, I can't, I'm not even going to bother looking at leadership theories because I'm not a band seven or eight and it's not my job to be a leader. So I'm not going to look at leadership theories, but there's personal leadership elements in there surely as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we don't understand that our job is right across the four pillars, we're we're doing ourselves a disservice, but we're doing our patients and our service users and our colleagues and everything a disservice as well because we need to be good across all four. Yeah. 
And each interact with the other. Yeah, absolutely. We had Ruth um, Patterson on from Lanarkshire, who's a pale, and, and we've been talking about um, her kind of theories of learning and, and understanding and new knowledge. But she actually talked about when you get that new knowledge, you can't just impose it on people because you actually then have to kind of think about your change management yeah. skills because you can't just take this to somebody and expect them to change their way. Mm-hmm. You actually have to have that leadership team working ability to kind of translate a message filter it through in a way in which it will be received positively. So you, you can't really separate the clinical from the leadership, from the research to back it up, of course, and then the education of others. It, it, it kinda, it's a kind of entwined set of pillars. Yeah, absolutely. You need it all. And I think sometimes it's quite hard because when you get that new knowledge, you're excited by it, but not everyone else has come on that journey with you. Like, you, like you know, if it's only you that's, yeah. that's done that module or done that training then you might be really enthusiastic about it and have all these ideas Mm. but nobody else is there everyone else is where you were before very very (laughs) hard um the 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 next question we ask uh, our our guests when they come is is really about the positivity which you've given us another p uh, in the podcast today another p and and that's about what aspect of cpd do you enjoy the most i think for me i like I like people so another piece but that's why I'm in this job is that I like people so I like learning from people I like learning with people and I do like like delivering education and and kind of promoting discussions and things like that with other people too so I think I really enjoy CPD the most when you've got the time to actually share it with others discuss it with others and see how different people I mean, we've all got so much experience. It doesn't need to be clinical experience. It's life experience informing all that learning. So it doesn't matter who you're sharing your learning with. You're all going to come at it from different angles, have different thoughts. And that's the part of CPD that I really enjoy. I'm not very good at sitting by myself at a desk just reading things. <laughs> and, and that that doesn't work for me at all. I But, you, but what I'm... Some people are learning exactly yeah. is that everybody's different yeah. and for some people that is what they really love um but for me personally that's the part of the cpd that i really enjoy yeah. i like talking about it. i like learning through and from others it, what i'm hearing from you is that collaborative approach that, yeah. that then de- develops shared learning mm-hmm. and and you know you're bouncing ideas off of people and peers and and, and that's something that we're actually exploring in our undergraduate programmes, as you well know, in looking at that peer-assisted learning element. And I think it does develop more of a rich you know, learning experience because you're, you don't just get one brain with one interpretation. You get two brains with possibly three interpretations because mm. you're sharing and, and working and creating yep. at the same time. And, no, it's 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 good to hear that, that you still have that enthusiasm and, and positivity about your CPD, absolutely. Our last question that we've been asking everybody is is, is a bit more of a kind of, kind of purposeful type question. And it's it's that element of who, who is it that benefits from CPD? Oh, I think that's absolutely everybody isn't it you know i, I, I assume there's <laughs> benefits to this it's why we, so yeah. like, who do you think it benefits most from that or ultimately you know where does that ripple effect run to um well 
we talked a little bit about um, like recruitment and retention and, and the health service overall, right? Yeah. You know, we're in this job to provide a service to people that are in need of it. And it's not just about that individual interaction that CPD improves. It's about the whole network. It's about, CPD is about giving you confidence of what you're delivering, but also keeping you interested in your job, keeping you enthusiastic and believing in what you're delivering. Mm -hmm. So you've got to believe it. If you're going to sell it, you've got to believe it yourself. So to keep you being positive, being effective, and being interested in what you're delivering and the, the service that you're providing, then as a health service, we need to hang on to those people. Yeah. We need to keep those people positive. And once we've recruited the best people, we need to keep them in their yeah. jobs. And sure. if you if you lack CPD in your, your team or your um, service, those people stagnant. aren't going to stay. And it's not just, and this is back to our cultural shift as well, is that the, the culture can shift from a negative to a positive, of course, through mm-hmm. these, these strategies you put in place. But but being complacent about yeah. the way in which we create that safe place to develop for our teams and for our our staff, that in itself can actually lead to the opposite of that culture becoming a more negative or stagnant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it happens the other way when you get too much competition within a department, it can sometimes lead to, you know, kind of break down in relationships and pressures and yeah. um, I could, oh, and, and sometimes that element of that, I could never be as good as. Yeah. But but I think it's about that positive place that you talked about mm-hmm. and developing the, the, the people that are there. So you've given us lots of P's for <laughs> our C and our, our, P, our P and our D. I don't know what the C... You need to work on the C's and D's for I'll next need to, time. Yeah, I'll do that for next time. Culture people and development. Oh, I love that. That's good. I like it. Karen, thanks so much for for joining us. And and it kind of wraps up our um, podcast series for now. Uh, It's been great to finish it on a student that's actually on the Mm programme because you're living and breathing this whole process right now, possibly more than I am. (laughs) um, Deadlines looming. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that as well. But thanks very much for sharing your time with you and we hope to hear from you soon, maybe later down the line when you've completed. Yes, no problem. I'd love that. Thank you. Thanks very much. It only remains now for me to thank all of my guests over the last 12 weeks for their time and input into your learning. So thanks to Claire Ray, Claire Cardador, Ruth Patterson, Kath Sharp, David Wiley and our last guest in this episode, former student in the programme, Karen Hohey. Thanks to our registered students from the APP module in Advancing Practice for listening in, and I do hope that many of our non-student AHP listeners have found the series helpful, entertaining, and even motivational in their own career planning. I hope to see many of you soon, if not in advanced roles, but as a continuing student on any of our pre-reg, post-reg, Advancing Practice AHP programmes at GCU.